Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Mitchell, and typically we have Lolita here, but she's unable to make it today. Today on the show, we'll be joined by Omar Khan. Omar, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much, Kyle. Great honor to be here. Awesome. Great. Here's a little bit more about Omar. Omar is the CFA of Boardwalk Wealth and is responsible for raising capital, strategic planning, and investor relations. He has over 10 years experience in investing across real estate and commodities with $3.7 billion in capital financing and M&A transactions. Omar, thanks again for coming on the show. If you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Uh, I'd love to. My background's in finance, so I was on the investment side in oil and gas and commodities. I ran a few deals. We got all that experience, the one that you mentioned. And now what we're doing is we run large multifamily syndications across Texas and Florida. How that happened is that when I moved down from Canada three years ago, I wanted to invest some of my money, some of my network's money. And I just started talking to people. And one door led to another. You know, you have to sift through a lot of people before you find the the ones you want to work with. And that's just how the process started. And uh, slowly over a period of time, just because my expertise was in deal valuation and stitching deals together, it was a faster process than I guess it would have been otherwise, based on my prior experiences. And here we are. We're actually closing uh, our first Florida deal uh, next month. Actually, we're fully subscribed now. So Awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Perfect. So since your uh, background's on finance and uh, deal analysis, we're going to be focusing a lot on underwriting today. For those that don't already know, can you please explain what the process of underwriting is and what underwriting is exactly? Well, the process varies from place to place and asset to asset, but the idea behind it is primarily to understand if, uh, if the deal that you're looking at is a good fit for your perimeters, given you know your set of constraints and whatever your particular objectives are. And how you do that is by taking a deep dive through the financials, not only looking historically, but also having enough knowledge uh, to basically have your crystal ball and peek into the future to see where, look, if I take it from A to B and then B to C, where am I going to end up? Excuse me. And given where I'm going to end up, what are my options going to be? Do I hold it? Do I sell it? Do I refinance it? What do I do? So to do all of that sort of stuff, when you're doing it with bigger assets, uh, in one way, it's easier because Sometimes you have more margin of safety, but in another way, it's harder because you have more moving pieces. Got it. And what type of tool do you use for underwriting and how important is that tool to you? Well, I wish there was one tool that I could do everything and then everything was done. Uh, what usually happens is, look, we start, um, we have our deal criteria. So to be honest with you, when brokers in our preferred market send us deals, close to about 60 to 80% of them, we can filter without even getting to underwriting because they don't fit our prime perimeters that we have said. So for instance, if you said the average deal has got to be between say 15, 20 million plus, and if somebody's sending me deals for seven or eight or $10 million, regardless of how good the deal is, we're just not going to do it. Right. So you got to set some of those things up and then the tools look, it, it varies. Uh, for instance, the biggest ones that you could use 
obviously our Excel. I mean, that goes without saying, but you also have to rely on industry databases like CoStar, Yardi, Axiometrics. These are more to get property and market level data. You also want to get demographic data because no amount of financial analysis is going to help you get out of the hood, right? So it's stuff like that. So there's no one particular thing. It's just a mishmash of a lot of things, but the real number crunching primarily is done in Excel. Okay, got it. And so since we focus on passive investors here, should passive investors have their own tool that they use for underwriting or is it okay for them to go with what the sponsor says the deal is going to write out at? Well, first of all, I would tell you to never go with what the sponsor tells you, even though I am a sponsor. But also I would tell you, it also depends how much brain damage you want to cause yourself. Look, if this is not your, if this is not your forte, Look, don't get me wrong. A lot of investors do think they can underwrite, but I'll be honest with you. Look, it's no magic. It's not hard to underwrite. I'll be honest with you, but it requires a certain level of hours and requiring, say, for instance, knowing that particular submarket in more depth than somebody else. So you can come in and do all the underwriting you want, but if you don't know all the finer details, well, it's a case of garbage. What I would suggest investors do a lot is they first should develop a relationship with a few select uh, sponsors. Because look, otherwise, if you're going from one sponsor one day to a next sponsor, you never really kind of understand what the sponsor's strategy is. And I'm assuming for most of your uh, listeners, they don't do this full time. They're investing their money in some shape or form. And they've got, an, they've got their real job, right? I mean, they've got a job job, right? So in that particular case, what they really need to do, in my opinion, is A, develop a closer relationship directly with a few sponsors understand their business model, understand the nuances behind the business model. So a lot of times when you get a deal, you can look at it qualitatively, right? Know how to ask the right questions. Hey, you say rents are going to be this. Uh, so let's say you say rents are going to be $1,000, but right now the rents in the market are say $800. What's the reason? Now you don't need to underwrite to know this. You can just go to Google, type the address of that property. And then on Google Maps, see all the surrounding apartment complexes, kind of get a rough idea what the rents are. Right. So it's developing the relationship, then asking the right questions. So without underwriting, you can sort of triangulate your answer and find if this is a reasonable fit for you or not, because there is no investment that is a hundred percent perfect fit for your needs. Everything has some pros and some cons. Right. What are the key factors you do you take into consideration when you're underwriting a multifamily deal? So for us, it's very clear. The two things we can't change are demographics and location. We are primarily buying C plus, maybe up all the way up to B plus type properties. So demographics are very important to us, income demographics specifically, right? Because look, at the end of the day, you can push rents all you want, but if people aren't gonna, people just don't have the money to pay you, no amount of value add is ever gonna save your life, right? So looking at basically income demographics, and then also in a way, look, if you're starting out, you kind of, it sounds, it sounds, well, obvious, but it isn't, that you kind of have to go where the fish are, okay? And think about it this way, that probably finding a really high appreciation, high growth deal in Mississippi might be a little harder than finding it, say, in Dallas or Jacksonville or in Orlando, just because of the nature of the market. So you kind of have to figure out what, what are you looking for? And everybody says, I'm looking for value add, I'm a long-term investor, but really, you got to pick your battles, right? So if you want, if you're more income steady, Eddie, you got to pick that type of market. If you want a combination of income and say capital appreciation, you want to pick a different market. So kind of figuring those things out, understanding yourself more than the deal specifically, because deals come and go. There's lots of sponsors in every market, right? You kind of have to, first of all, pick and choose which markets and what kind of locations you want to be in. 
Okay. Yeah. Great, great um, feedback there. I think it's really about the investor's goals, not the goals of the sponsors. It's oh, yeah. first. And then from there, you know, you kind of pick and choose the investments you want to go in. Look, the goal of the sponsor is for you to invest in their deal. The goal of the investor is for you to basically find the right deal. So right. you're kind of at, uh, you know, you're butting heads with each other. So as an investor, you have to figure out what is the best and highest use for your dollar. Okay. And so, um, Let's talk a little bit about stress testing a deal. And when I say stress testing for the listeners, what I mean is once you've underwritten deal, you want to take it through what's called a stress test. And that's, that's basically a break-even analysis of where the deal is going to be. And if I didn't get that completely right, Omar, go ahead and correct me. But how do you stress test a deal and, and take a look at it? Look, you can do it multiple ways. You can run sensitivity analysis where you only change one factor but keeping everything else the same. That's a typical, you know, data table. Very easy to do. It's actually not that hard. You can go to Google and look at it. Look it up and literally in five minutes you can do it. What you can also do is run completely different scenarios. Now I know there's, it's in vogue today to say, everybody says, well, what if a 2008 happened? Well, first of all, a 2008 is not going to happen because God, God save us all. If we get a 2008 every 10 years, humanity isn't going to go anywhere. Right. Right. So basically, 2008 is not going to happen, guys. Every uh, armchair guru right now who's predicting a recession within the next three years or six months, there's a reason why, uh, you know, they're on the Internet and don't really have a real job in economics because hmm. they're, you know, it's easy to give an opinion. It's hard to actually do the work. So how do you stress test it? Look, you have to be reasonable and you have to be fair. Look, tomorrow, if, for instance, a comment hits the earth, well, all birds are off. Right. So you can't plan for the worst possible. I mean, my point is the end of days. How would you stress test it? You look at your rent growth assumptions, right? You take them all the way down to zero or negatives. For instance, you look at your cap rate expansion. Typically, sponsors do between 50 and 70 basis points. Maybe you jack it all the way up to 200 basis points, right? That's purchase price plus add a little, say, one or two percent on top of that. That is your exit cap rate on which you will value your property. Right. For instance, you think your tax bill is going to go crazy. There's so many small moving pieces that you can't, it depends on the deal as specifically more than, for instance, what's a one size fits all solution. Right. And to give you an example, if you've got a, say, an agency debt and you plan on basically retiring that debt in seven years because you're going to hold it for 10, 12 years. Well, I mean, if you bought it right now in seven years, rates are presumably going to be higher. Right. So even if you have an agency debt, which is considered the gold standard, but once you're stress testing it over, say, a seven or 10 year period, you kind of have to realize at year seven onwards, you might get an interest rate, which you don't even foresee right now. And the flip side would say the bridge in the sense that you're only getting it for three or five years. What if you can't refinance? Then what happens? So it's very deal specific as opposed to here's one thing and apply it to everything else. Okay. Yeah. I think you can probably get in the weeds when you're stress testing and, and get yourself oh, yeah. to a point where you can talk yourself out of any deal. Um, and, and since real estate's so local, you know, it is going to depend on the market. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, you can go based on historical averages for sure, but that's going to depend city by city, neighborhood by neighborhood. And history is also not, history is a good judge for a lot of things, by the way. But history is not a good judge for some things as well. I mean, look, if you took the last 30 years of rent growth in the Midwest in some of the Rust Belt towns and now put that going forward, you might be in for a world of hurt because those places are losing population. Conversely, uh, for some of the Sun Belt cities like, say, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, if you took, say, growth rates before 2008 and applied it onwards, 
well, you would have missed out on a lot of deals because people are moving there left, right, and center. So you have to understand the local dynamics as much as, you know, you just kind of have to understand a bunch of factors as opposed to a generic sort of solution. Right. Okay. So where can passive investors go to find some of the statistics that you're talking about, the demographics, the economics of a, of a certain market that they're looking to invest in? Google, literally, literally type whatever you think comes to your mind, type it in Google. Trust me, uh, you're going to realize you're not the first person who have thought of this before. There is a website, honestly, for I think every topic on the planet. It's shocking. Trust me. Sometimes I think I found an original question and I realized 3 million people have asked that question before. Right. Is there a certain website that you may suggest or, or, or use yourself? I just know when you type into Google, you know, there is, there's information everywhere, right? So what can you let, me, let me type to Google right now. Demographics. <laughs> Let's do it. Code. Hold on. Here we go. Let's type into Google. Type into Google. Yeah, census.gov. Literally the second one. Zipu, the third one. Census.gov is as close to being, it's a, it's a U.S. government website. It is as close to being the perfect zip code sort of analysis tool as any other paid tool. Zipu is the third one. Yeah, here you go. Type in, let me type in mine. Seven, five, eight, three, nine. Here you go. Yeah, that gives you a fair idea. Zipu, census.gov. Literally, and those were the first within the first three um, search results that came on Google. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. To be very honest with you, a lot of times, I don't even remember the websites because I've realized instead of remembering them, Google does all the work for me. Yeah, there you go. Wow, awesome. All right, lastly, what are the biggest mistakes you see most sponsors make when they're underwriting a multifamily deal? Well, there's a couple of things we see. Number one, what we see is they're ultra, ultra aggressive because, uh, you know, uh, their guru tells them that trees grow to the sky forever. You can, I've literally had people tell me, nobody's ever lost money in multifamily. And my response to that is, why don't you give me $5 million and I'll show you how to lose money very quickly. <laughs> you know? So first of all, realizing that there's a, there's a fine balance between being aggressive and being too conservative, because if you're too conservative, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to get out of bed. Right. So there's a fine balance there. And number two, realizing specifically on the deal side, rent growth assumptions are going to be crazy. If the market's growing at 3%, people have it at 5% every year for the next five years. Look, anything that grows for 5% a year, any stupid deal can look good when it grows that fast. Well, yeah, anything can look good. Then on your exit cap, you should be, if you're doing BC product, you should be between 50 and 75 basis points. I've seen some guys, I'm not going to take the name of the sponsorship group out of Houston they're doing negative exit cap. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's you, big trouble. No, no, hold on. And I, I was thinking, okay, what kind of idiot would do that with their hard-earned money? Why would you invest? I mean, I, I don't get it, but I understand from the sponsor's point of view why they're doing it. They just want to attract money. But apparently there's people out there, man, that, that would invest their hard-earned money. And maybe it's a case of lack of education, which you feel really sorry about. But there are sponsors out there that'll do these small little tricks. So you got to watch out because it's your hard-earned money. Yeah. And so when you say uh, 50 to 70 basis points, is that on a five-year hold typically? So maybe yeah, typically 10 to 15 basis points per year? Yeah. See, that's a tough one. You've asked a good question. Now, it, the, things, the point is none of these things grow linearly, right? Because what happens is nothing happens and then suddenly everything happens. Right? right. So that's, you know, it's just, unfortunately, it's that sort of thing. So we would like to think that every year it's 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And by the time you get to year five, it's 50 basis points. But I've come to the realization in my experience that, look, unless you're selling in the next six months, which is very doubtful, 
just use 50 basis points regard 50 or 75 basis points or between 50 and 75 basis points regardless of which shares you're going to dispose just to cover yourself you're just being conservative that way right without being going overboard okay and can you uh, explain to everyone what a basis point is basis point is one one hundredth of a percent so if you go one percent divided by 100 that's point zero zero one in decimal points and 100 of those will obviously be one percent 100 basis points would be one percent. Okay, perfect. And then going back to rent growth, what would you say is a standard kind of conservative rent growth to assume year over year? Again, I'll be honest with you, man. All of these things differ by market. So mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Things that are happening in Dallas, say for instance, in a Richardson or a Fort Worth. Fort Worth's a great market these days to invest. Completely different than what's happening in Oklahoma City. Right. Similarly, what's happening in Jacksonville? In axiometrics, for instance, if you go look for some market we were in last year, it drew at 5.1% year on year as an example, right? Now, if I just took the last year's worth of numbers at 5.1 and just pushed my asset to 5.1 every year, well, that would be disingenuous and it would make my numbers look falsely good. So a lot of this is local, as you had said earlier. You can, people can refer to industry databases like, say, axiometrics. Honestly, just ask a broker or if there's a sponsor who's doing this deal, ask him to send you the axiometrics report. If they haven't referred to the axiometrics report, they must have referred to the Reese report. The Reese is R-E-I-S or the CoStar report, right? Any one of these reports where, for instance, a sponsor can show you, look, uh, the market, say, for instance, is expected to grow at 5% or 4% or 3%, but I'm assuming this at 2% and here's my reason why. One of them could be conservatism. One of them could just be that you, well, you disagree, but you're erring on the side of caution. So, but do ask for how did the person come up with this number? Okay. And sorry, if, if you have like, let's just say an average of 5% for the last three years. And so the sponsor is going to say 5%. Is yeah. there a rule of thumb on being conservative yeah. there? Or do you yeah. just go based on historical averages a little no, bit? You don't go because you tell the sponsor that he's stupid if he's using 5%. <laughs> Because just because lightning has struck once or twice doesn't mean it's going to strike forever. Right. You know, so first of all, anything about three and a half, four percent, yeah, kind of take it down a notch. Okay. Because look, what's going to happen is you predict, say, three, you not predict, but you assume three, three and a half percent growth. And look, if it happens at five percent, nobody's going to have a, have a problem with getting more money. Nobody in the entire history of mankind ever said, no, I've got a lot of money. Please don't give it to me. What people do have is when you set an expectation at 5% and then the actual thing is 2.5%, that's when you run into trouble. Yep. Right? Yep. So kind of say that. But if any sponsor tells you 5% and they pound their fist on the table and tell you that they're so damn confident, you should just walk away. Don't, don't argue that it's not worth it. Yep. Agreed. Okay. All right. We're going to go into our final four questions now. Ready to go? Yep. I hope so. All right. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? My phone. Perfect. Tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far. And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Well, the biggest mistake was not setting expectations with some of my partners. And, you know, uh, because we each have different roles. So setting those expectations, I learned a lot from that. But hey, I, I also learned that it wasn't just their fault. It was my fault as well, because I didn't set the right set of expectations for them. Right? I mean, I'm sure they'll tell you that they didn't set the right set of expectations for me. So, you know, yeah. it's a case okay. of setting expectations, yeah. 
So just being transparent and being upfront. Well, it's not transparent or being upfront. It's uh, basically saying in clear words, what is the role of uh, your partners and what Got lane everybody's going to swing in. Got it. What is it that you need to do right now to grow your life to the next level? Listen to your podcast. <laughs> okay. What else? Well, apart from that, listen to more of your podcasts, hopefully. And then apart from that, just honestly, guys, uh, just reach out physically to people and as an email or call and then meet them. No amount of reading books. Look, I love, I'm a nerd. I love reading books all the time, but no amount of consuming 30, 40, 50 books is going to save you because you have to take that knowledge eventually and you'll have to apply. So, but the application only happens in the real world. So you eventually kind of have to get off your ass and you kind of have to, well, you know, pull the trigger. So don't be trigger happy and don't pull a trigger like every five minutes, but you know, pick the right people, but then make a move. Perfect. And lastly, where can people find more about you? Well, they can go to our website, Boardwalk Wealth, B-O-A-R-D, Walk Wealth. That's one word, dot com. There's on the first page, you can join our mailing list. You can also email me at umar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. Perfect. Awesome. Omar, we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and some of the inside secrets on underwriting. I think you add a lot of value to our group and um, thank you very much. And thanks for everyone for spending some time with us. I really enjoyed our conversation and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.